listening to another powerful message from C3 Southwest Washington. We are so excited you're here with us, and we believe God has more in store for you. So we're in this series entitled, What Child Is This? And there's a quote here I just want to give you. Many believe that Jesus was able to be Jesus and do Jesus things because he was Jesus. Uh, again, it's on a slide there, guys. Um, the, the thing that I want to get across is we oftentimes look at Jesus like we look at Superman, and we know that when the train's coming and he's standing on the tracks, that the train is going to crash into him and fall off to the side. Why? Because he's Superman. And we have a tendency to look at Jesus the same way. When we read about his life, we, we see the things he accomplishes, the things that he does. We just chalk it up to the fact, well, he's, he's Jesus. He can't fail. He can't he can't be succumbed to the enemy. He can't sin. And, and we actually make a terrible mistake by thinking that because that's not the reality. As you look at scripture, you discover that in reality, Jesus emptied himself of all deistic privilege or all God attributes. And the Bible goes on uh, to, to teach us the fact that um, he set aside privilege and power and protection, becoming vulnerable in every way to the challenges that humanity faces. There's this great verse in Philippians chapter number two, verses six through seven says, though he was God, he did not think equality with God as something to hold on to. In other words, he had it, okay? He, he was God. He, didn't, he wasn't born on Christmas Day. Well, it wasn't even in December anyways. But he, wasn't just, he didn't just show up on the scene on Christmas Day. He's the lamb slain before the foundation of the earth. He's always existed. He was born as a man at a starting point, but he's always been Jesus. Amen? I hope you understand that. I know it's confusing, but he's always existed. But what happened on the day he was born is he set aside all of it, that privilege, all that position, all of that power, all of that, that provision that he had always walked in because he is the provider. And the Bible goes on here to say that he gave up his divine privileges. He stripped himself of his godhood. He took away the Superman that makes Superman, Superman. He removed all of that DNA and the Bible says that he took on the humble position of a slave and he was born as a human being. The same form that you showed up into this world in, incredibly, incredibly vulnerable, incredibly fragile. He limited himself to that. Message says that he set aside his privileges of deity. ESV says, but he emptied himself. NIV, he made himself nothing. Or NKJV, he made himself of no reputation. And so what child is this? My title again is from last week because I didn't finish. Intentionally vulnerable. Let's take a moment to pray. Father, I thank you for your word. God, in our hearts, um, is, it, our hearts are like soil. And your word is like a seed. And we want your seed to land into the soil of our hearts this morning and find soft soil ready to welcome whatever you say. So right now, we ask you to wash us, cleanse us, forgive us of our hardness, of our, of our callousness. And we pray that, Holy Spirit, you will speak through the words that are, that are spoken, through the scriptures that are given, the principles that come out of your word, and allow them to be planted in our hearts so that we can grow in you and become the best version of us that you've created us to be. We pray that in Jesus' name. And everyone said, amen. Give the Lord a hand, and then you can be seated. Um, as uh, we get ready to uh, jump in, I just wanted to make a quick announcement. Our C3 interns just finished up last week. 
for 2023. And so our 2024 year of C3 intern starts at the end of January this year. Want to challenge you to consider that. If you have any desire to be involved with ministry, to speak, to learn how to run a ministry, um, this is not a discipleship class for new believers at all. That it, this is not that. You already have to be a disciple, already functioning as a disciple, but this will take you and help you to step into the next things. And you can find out more about that on our website. There's a whole spot there. I uh, just wanted to give you that quick heads up for those of you who've been asking. Okay, so jumping in to what we're talking about, I'll skip over this part somewhat because this is, I preached one point last week, an entire sermon. But I spent a lot of time talking about how vulnerable Jesus made himself, just to emphasize that point. Uh, probably one of the biggest points that's really statistical in our day and age, do you know that there's a 35% chance of death from the moment of conception to age number 24, statistically? When you calculate the miscarriage rate and then you add it to a sudden infant death syndrome and the deaths of children uh, between the ages of birth and five, which is 10% of all children, and then you start looking at the death rates for age five to 24, which is 5%, you add it all up, and the average person has a 35% chance of not making it to age 24. It's huge. And we don't always talk about the, the, the tragedy of miscarriage, but it's very, very common. And some of you, that's touched your life very deeply, and it's very painful. Now, uh, there's a lot of reasons for why that stuff happens. A lot of evil happens in the world that we live in, all kinds of things going on. But it is a tragedy nonetheless. And there's a huge, huge loss there. And uh, some of you know it very well, and some of you are able to minister so well out of that deep pain because you've experienced the touch of God in that moment. And this is the same environment that Jesus found himself in, and the same statistical chances. In fact, uh, he faced a real swing of the statistics because once his birth took place, the ruler of his region wanted to kill him and didn't know who he was, and so exterminated every boy from the age of two and under. And his parents were warned in a dream, thank God. And listen, God can still warn you even though you're, you are vulnerable. This is why we pray. There have been many moments where God has got into my ear without me knowing what was gonna happen five minutes from now, and all of a sudden I make a couple little changes, and I'm like, oh, Lord, thank you for speaking to me. It's why we pray, it's why we read the word, it's why the Holy Spirit lives within us. He's the revealer of all truth, and when you're dialed in spiritually, you can get a warning about, uh, read Pastor Jurgen's book called Push. He was up in prayer all night long, and God spoke to him about not getting on an airplane, and he did not get on the airplane, and the airplane engine caught on fire out, in the run, out, out on the tarmac. God can speak. Well, how come he didn't speak to everybody? Because not everybody's listening. That's just, that's just it. Some people are just not, they don't want to listen. I mean, some people will come into, here, into this room while the word's being preached and say, I don't want to hear it. No, maybe you don't say it out loud, but sometimes we have that position. He who, the Bible says this, he who has an ear, let him hear what the Spirit is saying. The Spirit of God is always speaking. He wants to speak to you, not just these churchy things. He wants to speak to you about your future, about your profession, about your investments, about your family, about the nuances between your children. He wants to reveal to you how to be a better parent to that child by having a different set of rules for that child than that child. And then he was going to help you as they argue about why are the rules different for these two. It's not fair. No, guess, welcome to life. It's just none of it's fair. We don't get what we deserve. We're allowed to live. 
you know? And, and so uh, the Holy Spirit is able to reveal those things. And so, yes, the Holy Spirit warned those parents. And we don't have a, we don't have a record, but I don't think that Jesus was the only one who escaped. I don't. I believe that there's people who are praying and listening and hearing what the Spirit says, and then there are people who are not, and tragedy strikes. Have you ever had something happen to you just because you weren't paying attention to what God was saying? Yeah. Yeah. If you listened really close, you wouldn't have been dating that person or going to that place? Okay, let me just keep moving on, all right? Yeah. Be re- <laughs> uh, thank you for that one amen. Okay, so... Uh, so Last week, we hit this first payment. The reason why he became vulnerable was so that he could pay for our sin. Only, only a human could pay for the sin of humanity. And so that, that human had to be challenged just like Adam was to be at risk of sinning but could not sin so that he could make the payment for sin. And so Jesus stepped into this vulnerability so that he could make an offering to pay for our sin. And again, I won't touch on that a whole lot because I spent the whole week last week just really leaning into that. Uh, my point number two, and let's hope I can get to all five of them today. Uh, slide number two is the reason why he came and made himself so intentionally vulnerable is so that he could compassionately help us from his actual experience. Have you ever like had a conversation with someone and then... You're, you're thinking to yourself, you're, you're sharing something with them that they have no concept of what you've been going through, and then they say to you, oh, I know exactly what you're going through. Yeah, it happens. Because we try to be compassionate, but how many of you have had somebody sharing with you this great thing that they're going through, good or bad or challenging, and you're thinking to yourself, I have no clue what you're going through. It's good to just say that. Man, that sounds terrible. I have no idea what that's like. You might feel like you have nobody in your world who understands what you're going through, but I'm going to tell you that that's not the case with Jesus. In fact, I would, I would maybe not everything that you've ever been through, but I would argue at a very high level that if you're going through it, you can look in Scripture and see Jesus goes through it as well. Now, I know he's a man, so he, he's never been a teenage girl and so he doesn't know everything about all of what we experience, but he has experienced some of the deepest, most challenging moments in all of his life. I remember that there was somebody who made up a lie about me one time and sent out, uh, this is really bold and brave, sent out anonymous letters to everyone in our church. This is like 20 years ago. And did not sign their name and then sent this same anonymous letter to my boss and it put us all in a really awkward situation to go ahead and have to set something up to prove that I didn't do what this person was saying. But they anonymously, I made that accusation. And it was one of those types of accusations that was so hurtful and so painful that I, I, I was devastated. And my children were old enough to understand that I was being accused of something, but not old enough to really understand all of the nuances of it. And I remember going through that, that moment and, and feeling like, Someone had driven a stake right through my chest, and really, there was nobody in my life that I could call up and say, hey, how did you navigate this when this happened to you? Because I didn't know anybody who did. And it struck me very deeply and at a moment where I, was, I felt the most pain that Jesus had people making up stories about him 
to get the public to believe that he was not who he was. And I remember it clicking with me, oh, this is how you felt. In fact, there's been many times during my life since then where somebody has walked out or somebody has betrayed me or I have lost something or something has happened and I'm able to look back into scripture and while I might be able to talk with my wife about it and she can be compassionate, she can only be compassionate from outside looking in whereas almost every single time the compassion of Jesus is right here with me because he's been through the exact types of of things. You know, one of the most challenging things, one of, the, one of the most traumatic things that happens to people that I experience when they walk into the church, it's one of the top, this is top, where people have great difficulty in stepping into a relationship with Jesus is usually when, as a child, someone in their world that they were very close to and looked up to died. And somebody comes along and says, well, sweetheart, it's okay. God just needed mommy in heaven more than you needed her here on earth. They didn't actually say that way, it that way, but that's what it spoke to that child. God needed her in heaven. Um, God doesn't kill people. We know that the last enemy to, to be destroyed is death. The work of death is the work of Satan. Just understand that from a doctrinal standpoint. God does not come and take people when it's their time. It's the final sword blow of Satan. And it's just like the devil to blame things that he does on God. But the trauma of that for a child when they come in, they have a, they have a great difficulty trusting a God who would have taken somebody so special to them out of their life. And as I hear these stories, I mean the trauma is there. You could see this person's crying. And I, I have never found ever that in one conversation, I could help somebody navigate through that. I could pray for them, but usually it's a process for them to work through where there's healing that comes when they begin to discover the truth about death and the truth about God. God is a God of life. He's come to, the devil's come to steal, kill, and destroy, right? Yeah. What did Jesus come for? To give us life. In fact, he gave his life so that someday we will experience eternal life, right? Yeah. So he's not, he's not the one showing up. It's your time, let's go, and doing that trauma in our lives. But, but let me say this about Jesus. Don't ever miss the fact that the only earthly father he knew was not around when his ministry started. Jesus knows what it's like to lose a dad. And this wasn't just any dad. The high quality caliber, the nature of this man who was so respectable that when his wife, his fiance turns up pregnant, He's going to quietly put her away in a day and age where he should publicly do that according to their culture. He was such an exceptional man that after he married her, he waited until the child was born out of honor to the thing that God was doing. I mean, how many, how many newlywed grooms are saying on their wedding night, yeah, let's get back together in about nine months? Breaking the speed limit on the way to your honeymoon, Right? He's going to go there? Yeah, I'm going to go there. <laughs> Human nature. I, that's the type of honorable man this was. I can't, we don't have much about his life, but, but man, a man like that certainly was close to this young man. 
And the Bible shows the different interactions when he's younger or as a teenager. This is a dad that was involved. This was not a dad who said, yeah, sweetheart, you go to church. I'm going to be home here watching the game. No way. He was there at the temple with his family, dedicating his child on the eighth day or seventh day or eighth, eighth, ninth day. I don't remember which day it is. Okay. I'm a Bible college graduate. I swear I'll show you the diploma. I can't remember that one fact. Um, But it's amazing that that he went through that, and yet we have nothing written about it. But if you've gone through that, and your heart is heavy and hurts because you've lost someone close to you, your best friend might not know what you're going through, but what an amazing thing to sit down and have a conversation and say, Jesus, thank you for being here with me, and you know exactly what I'm going through because you went through the same thing. It's pretty, pretty remarkable that he compassionately helps us from a position of experience. Firsthand, Hebrews says this, for because he himself suffered when he was tempted, he is able to help those who are being tempted. That word tempted is not just the temptations to sin, it's the trials. He knows how to help us in our trials because he, he experienced trials. Do you notice there it says he suffered? Don't get this, again, don't get this Superman picture that when the train comes down the tracks, boom, it bounces off of him and tips over into the ditch. No, the Bible says it hit him and ran him over. And yet he did not yield his life to it. He kept moving forward. He suffered when he was tempted, so he's able to help those who are being tempted. Hebrews chapter four, verse 15 through 16. For we do not have a high priest, this is talking about Jesus, who is unable to sympathize with our weakness, but one who in every respect has been tempted or tested as we are, yet without sin. Let us then with confidence draw near to the throne of grace that we may receive mercy and find grace in our, and help in our time of need. So that's one of the reasons why he became vulnerable so that in your vulnerability, you can go to him and know that he's been through this and therefore he's trustworthy to help you navigate through. Which take, takes me to point number three. It's not too bad, I'm, I'm doubling up this week. Uh, he became incredibly vulnerable to show you how to be and how to do. Again, a lot of times you and I, we look at Jesus and we're like, yeah, well, of course Jesus did that. He's Jesus. No, 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 no. He's not doing what he does in scripture to, sh- to prove to you anything. Have you ever noticed that after Jesus does something miraculous, he tells the person who experienced a miracle, please be quiet, go home, don't tell anybody. Well, I thought the whole idea is for word to get out. Well, he wants the correct word to get out. He doesn't want a fan, he does not want fans. He's looking for followers. So what he's doing in many cases is not trying to do what he does to prove that he is really who he says he is. He's doing what he's doing to show you as a disciple the things that you can do as well. He's actually demonstrating that even though he has put himself in a place of incredible intentional vulnerability, that by his partnership with the Father and the Holy Spirit at work within his life, that you and I can navigate, say no to sin, step into difficult moments and win, to be warned in advance that the crowd is trying to get you, to step into moments where you might not have the resources, but you can lay your hands on someone and speak 
speak the miraculous through the heart of God into a person's life and see them be healed. Did not Jesus say, greater works than these shall you also do? He's not just talking to the disciples. He's talking to you. I hope you dream about God using you in miraculous ways. I hope you stir up the heart inside your, your heart. I hope, you, I hope you dream about God using you to impact the people you work with, your family, the people in your church world, uh, the person who's sick. You dream about laying hands on them and seeing healing come. Why? Why would you want to dream about that? I think that that's what Jesus sat around thinking about. We, only, we all only have one life. Jesus only had 33 years, and so there was a focus on impact, and I believe that he dreamed about being used by the Father. He didn't even have his own agenda. He knew that God holds an agenda for us all, and we either participate or we don't, and if we're actively engaged, especially with the Spirit of God functioning in our life, we can expect some pretty cool things to happen. Dream about that stuff. In the moments when you don't have enough money, what did Jesus do? He spoke out the word of God and watched the miraculous happen. Uh, it wasn't that long ago, and I hope this is not embarrassing for Tyler, but Tyler was uh, mentioning to me out in the lobby a couple, probably a couple months, that's a month and a half ago. He's talking uh, about a job promotion at work, and his, his first, his, the words that he said to me, I'm up for a promotion at work, and I don't know about you, but when I hear something like that, something stirs. I get excited because this is my family. These are you are the people that I, I do life with. You're the people I love. You're the people I pray for. And I expect amazing things to happen. Yeah. I expect them to happen. Yeah. And Tyler mentioned that there were two other candidates for the promotion. And it was, uh, in my mind, uh, the picture was being painted of maybe people with more experience and likely maybe they would get the, get the, get the tap at this point because this is the first time he's been up for this promotion. Something rose up within me. I'm like, that is your promotion. That's not their promotion. That's your promotion. And you know how I get when my finger starts doing that kind of stuff and I feel the spirit of God and, you know, but it's, it, there, there's this deep sense that as Jesus spoke God's heart over people, things happened. And the thing is, we, we need to function in that same way. And Tyler got word this week that Tyler, Tyler got the promotion. I was not shocked at all. Now, hear my, hear my point of the story is that the promotion did not happen because I said something. The heart of God was for that promotion to come his way. But it's also important because the words that we say are our posture as we lean forward in faith to experience the things that God has for us. There are times where we don't experience all the things that God has for us. How do you know that? That's not true, Steve. Everything that's meant to be will happen, right? No. In fact, the Bible says of Jesus' hometown that he wanted to heal them but could not because they refused to respond to him. The will of God was for people to be healed and they did not get healed. And I look at my own life and there are times where I believe that God wanting something amazing for me, but my posture was like this or just not even paying attention and I left stuff on the shelf. And one of the beauties about being a part of church, whoo, being a part of a church family, I was gonna walk on the air, but I hate to show off. <laughs> These things too you can do. Um, I, the, one of the things uh, about being a part of a church family and having that type of relationship is to help push one another forward. 
And I, w- I didn't say that's your job because I, I was well-wishing. I always wish well for all of us. But there's those moments when you know it's a God thing and you proclaim it out. Yeah. And it goes out and it changes all of our posture. And now, Tyler has worked really hard at work. If you've been around him, he's, he's a hardworking guy. He's a great dad, great, great husband. And just somebody that we, we're not supposed to have favorites, but he's one of our favorites, right? Okay. Here, Jen, Jen's like, he's really my favorite. Okay. Not going to go down that road anyways. But that's so cool when God is able to, uh, through his word, reveal the way he functioned in disciples' lives. After all, uh, Peter was talking about not having enough money to pay taxes. And what did Jesus say? The money is yours. Go and get it. Is that what Jesus said? Go fishing. There's going to be a fish. You're going to catch it. It's going to be two drachmas in its mouth. Go and pay my taxes and yours. Jesus spoke the heart of God, and Peter went out and obtained the things that God had for him. That's kind of how we can function in one another's life, and that's one of the values of being a part of a church family. So Jesus did the things that he did so that you will know that you can too and that you should. Amen? Okay, point number four. Not a great dancer. Whatever happened to river dance stuff? That was a rage for about five minutes, wasn't it? That was cool stuff. Oh, I'm sorry. I, do, I watched Downton Abbey once in a while, too. Okay, so, but I shoot guns and I don't know what else I do. Anyways, okay, so where are we at? Oh, oh. We're on point four. This is my last point. Oh, my gosh. So one of my favorite Christmas movies of all time it is very not really Christmassy, and it does not elicit any emotions, but it's definitely the Christmas story uh, for so many different reasons. I don't feel great after I watch it. In fact, I feel conflicted, but uh, to uh, watch many of the iconic scenes in the Christmas story... Um, I just, it's, it's, it's incredible to me. There, the, when you really look at the dialogue that's in there, it's pretty remarkable. But there comes a moment where Mr. Parker announces to his family that he's won a major award, and he's waiting for the award to show up. And then finally it does, and the delivery men show up, two of them with a crate that's about this big, and it's like the uh, crate that's all nailed together. The, one of the neat moments is that on the side is the big red letters that say, fragile. Now, he... Uh, in his lack of, of culture, he says, ooh, fragile, it must be Italian. And, and it, there's kind of the hidden joke there. And so probably all of us, when we see something that says fragile, we're like, ooh, fragile. And I found out that in Italian, that's exactly how you do actually say fragile, fragile. So there's a lot, of go, lot going on in that joke there. But the idea of something being fragile or something being vulnerable already admits in advance that there are forces out there that can bring damage to this thing. In a perfect environment, it doesn't matter how, how fragile anything is, if there's no threat, there's really no chance of breaking. But in the case of that lamp, in a great big box like that with truck drivers delivering stuff and throwing them off the back you know, at a, at a warehouse, the, 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 the threats are very real. And there's that warning that some of the realistic threats that come with the world that we live in could bring a, a devastating impact on this. I have, I have finally got, after five deliveries, I finally got a aluminum ladder that was extra long for my house 
delivered that was not damaged. The first four times it showed up on the back of a truck at my house, at least one or two rungs were snapped right off by forklifts and trucks. You wouldn't think a ladder is fragile, but apparently it was. So finally, the last one showed up. It had a little ding in it, but I was like, I don't even care. I'll, I'll probably put a dent in it anyway. So um, the idea of something being vulnerable speaks to the threat. And in the, the truth is, in the, in the world that we live in, there's threat all around us, and there was lots of threat for Jesus, and we've talked about that. But when there's adversity, it comes and touches against our life, depending on what we're made out of, determines the results. There certainly is... In our, in, in our lives, and maybe some of you in this room, there is that sense of fragility where when adversity comes up against your life and hits you hard, you end up being broken and ineffective. And we know people like that. I hope there's none of you like this. I know adversity has touched your life, but it, it's really important for you to see that Jesus was not fragile. He experienced adversity head on but he was not broken and he was not ineffective. And again, he's demonstrating the, the posture that we should have. There's not just fragile people, but then there are survivors, people who experience significant impact by those dangers that are around them and they keep on going, but they keep on going with a severe limp. Because while they've made it through, they've kind of just made it through. They've, they've really fallen victim to the thing that has happened and it has bent them over in a way where their forward motion is severely impacted and they're still going, but, but really they're, they're broken. Maybe not destroyed, but just barely functioning. Jesus doesn't, doesn't function or navigate through life that way either. He's not fragile and neither is he just a survivor. When you watch Jesus's life, he demonstrates a principle that, we, that I like to refer to as anti-fragility or anti-fragile living. And when you think about the concept of being anti-fragile, it's not that you're bulletproof, it's that when the bullet hits you, it begins to build something to make you even stronger. Jesus faced adversity in his life, and yet it made him stronger. On the side of the crate when he first showed up, it could have said, you know, the concept of being vulnerable, I wouldn't say fragile, but vulnerable because there are a lot of things that could wreck this. And yet when the things came at Jesus and impacted his life, they didn't break him, they didn't damage him, but when they hit him, they made him stronger. You even see it early on in the, in the beginning of his life, Luke chapter two, verse 40, it says, and the child grew and became strong. That's a process, and all of us have, have loved to watch a baby trying to, trying to army crawl across and, and can't quite do it. They're really pulling themselves with their arms, and some kids get it right away, and they figure out how to crawl, and some kids, they're like teenagers, almost, and they're not that old, but they're still trying to make it work, and as a parent, you're like, what's wrong with my child? He doesn't know how to army crawl, and then somehow they just figure it out and get it, right? But it's, do you understand that the thing that's making them stronger is the opposition to the thing that they're trying to do? And yet, they're anti-fragile in the sense that the, the thing that's trying to stop them is actually enabling them in their struggle to become stronger. And that was the case of Jesus. Jesus wasn't born knowing everything. Jesus wasn't born able to do miracles. 
Jesus actually, look at this next verse, it's crazy. Luke 2.52, and Jesus increased in wisdom and in stature and in favor with God. You've got to get this part. When he came to the earth, he emptied himself of his deity. He wasn't a toddler walking around saying, Lord, I praise you. I know you. I'm the son of God. He had to grow in this. This idea that he knows everything and he's walking around and somehow he's just got it all going. The Bible says he had to increase in wisdom. How do you increase in wisdom? You find yourself in situations where you got to dig down deep and look at God's word or talk with other people and grow in it. It means maybe, this will sound crazy, making a few mistakes, not sinful mistakes, but maybe making a few mistakes. Some of you have heard people say, well, if Jesus was a carpenter, he didn't need to measure twice. <laughs> yeah, he did. Oh, I would have loved to see the, 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 the crafts that Jesus made when he was a little boy. They probably were amazing. I don't know. I'm not convinced. Because the Bible says that he had to grow. And there's the resistance of the world to take on stature, to take on knowledge, to take on intelligence and experience. Now, he had the promises of his parents that they knew that they would speak into his life, declare over his life. There was that repetition of going to the house of God and the word of God. And just like you, the day that you maybe met Jesus, I didn't know anything about God, hardly at all. And he said, come and follow me. And I stepped across the line, but I didn't know where we were going. I didn't know a lot about God. I didn't even know that when I got home to my bedroom that when I knelt down to pray, he was going to be there too. I thought that maybe he's just at church. And there have been so many things that I have experienced that are true and powerful and I carry with me today, but I had to grow into them. And Jesus did the exact same thing. He was anti-fragile and you should be anti-fragile too. In fact, one of the greatest things you could do is say, Lord, I want to be like Jesus I mean, I don't want to wear sandals and I don't want to go without transportation. I don't want to ride on a donkey to get to Walmart if that's where you're going or I'm going. But, you know, especially not this morning. Had to be a little chilly. Uh, however, I want to be like Jesus. I want to be anti-fragile. I want to grow. You are designed to grow. Have you, have you been growing? Oh, man, there's just been so much going on and life is pounding me down. Yeah, it's pounding you down and it should be making you to grow. Amen. And so we see beautiful things. It's interesting there, and I'm finishing up. Worship team's going to come. Jesus increased in wisdom and in stature and in favor with God and man. That word increased is a combative word. It's the idea of chopping your way through or cutting with a sword. If you're having to chop your way through anything, think about the brush in the woods. Anybody you've ever had to chop through blackberry bushes? Man, what a disaster that is. It's work. Yeah, chop your way through that stuff. That's the same picture when it says Jesus increased. There was wisdom, there was, there was resistance, and he chopped his way through the resistance, and that is the thing that made him stronger. Two key things. Fighting through and being anti-fragile, and then the Holy Spirit coming upon him, that's what fired up his life to be able to do what we see him doing and hear what he teaches and watch his impact, not only on the world then, but now. And he continues to make that impact. Now we know there's this crucifixion. Nobody took his life. 
He gave it, right? And three days later, he rose, and approximately 40 days after his crucifixion, he ascended to the Father, and when he returns, he will not be returning as intentionally vulnerable. He's not coming back the way he was when he was here. When he comes back, he's coming back the way he's always been, except for when he was here. All-powerful, all-knowing, all all justice, all grace. Uh, uh, It's going to be incredible. Don't miss it. I think we're all going to see it. But I don't even know where I was going with that. I got caught up in that for a second. But while he was here, he was battling through it just like you, just like me. Draw strength from that. One final verse. Stand with me. Um, There's actually a picture that I was going to show you. they did this thing, and I'll finish with this. Throw, the, throw Hebrews chapter 11 up behind me. Um, in a town called Oracle, Arizona, there's a, there's a thing now, it's, a, it's like a, going to a museum, but it was actually uh, a function of scientists. They were trying to discover a bunch of things, and it's called Biosphere 2, and they set this thing up to have the perfectly controlled climate on the inside. And some of you would know about it, some of you don't. I had a picture, but it doesn't really matter. It just looks very scientific. Um, And inside they were trying to discover, you know, how to grow food better, how to discover things to heal disease and all kinds of stuff. One of the things that they experienced in the perfect environment in Biosphere 2 was they were able to get trees to grow so rapidly, it was insane. They're just popping up everywhere. Way faster way quicker, and about the part where they started to get big, they would just tip over and die. It's profound. They, they, they couldn't figure out why at first. It kept, it kept happening. Every tree would grow up. It was like, boom, boom, they're growing up. It's amazing, amazing. And then they come back, and everything had tipped over and had died. They were able to determine that without wind, trees are not able to establish the strength it needs to carry even their own weight. That actually it's the adversity of the wind that causes their roots to go down in certain directions because the wind comes from certain ways. And then it causes uh, the, being out in the atmosphere with the wind and the sunlight, they stretch to be able to get into the proper, you know, the reception of, of that sunlight that they need. And it's the very resistance all around them that actually builds them to be able to be strong and mature and stable and incredibly established. It's the very things that fought against them that made them what they are. Stop praying for your problems to go away. Stop praying for the perfect life. Start praying to walk through the storm that you're facing and be victorious on the other side because it's navigating through that will bring you to a place of greater strength, more informed strength, a wiser depth of understanding, amen? You need to step into your full strength and the things that you're facing are gonna build into you the very strength that is needed for the next seasons of your life, amen? Amen. Amen. Okay, if you're in the room today and you've yet to say yes to following Jesus, I'm gonna pray for you and invite you to be a part of that. And if you pray this prayer with me for the very first time, see me afterwards or stop by our Connect Center. We've got a book called Following Jesus. We'd love to put it into your hands, okay? Um, But I also wanna pray for all of you. Okay, so I'm gonna invite you to pray along with me. Even if you're a believer, we're just gonna uh, reaffirm our faith in Christ. I do this so often on non-church days. I, I pray this a similar prayer. So just, just pray after me. Father, come on, like, nice and loud, everybody together. Father, Father 
I thank you for sending your son. His name is Jesus. He emptied himself and became vulnerable for me. I thank you for sending Jesus. I thank you for the payment for my sin. I thank you for the help for every step in my life. Help me to navigate forward. In Jesus' name, I say yes. Amen. Let me pray for the rest of you. Father, I thank you so much, God, for everyone in this room. In this holiday season, lots going on, but we, we've taken a moment today to come together and to celebrate your presence, celebrate all that you've done. And I pray that you will help us to see you in, in the correct light so we understand the resources that are available to us. Lord, I thank you for living a pure life, but it was opposed. There was opposition, but you welcomed it because you wanted to help me, and I thank you for that. It's in Jesus' name that we pray, and everyone said amen and amen. Thanks for being with us today. Be sure to like and subscribe and visit us at c3swwa.com for more information about our church. 